This episode of Beyond the Bottom Line is brought to you by the Program on Entrepreneurship at the Yale School of Management, where we're educating students for business and society. Welcome to this week's edition of Beyond the Bottom Line. Today, we are delighted to have Jeff Hong in the studio with us. Jeff is a 2015 graduate of the Yale School of Management and co-founder of Byte. Uh, Jeff went through a number of our courses when he was here as a student um, and has since gone on to work on the venture full-time. So, Jeff, can you tell us a little bit about you a little bit about your work pre-SOM and what you're doing with Byte. Sure. Uh, thanks for having me, Jen. Uh, it's been a pleasure to come back here. Uh, so I'll start with a little bit of um, my background uh, before SOM and then how I ended up in the venture business. Uh, so prior to SOM, I was doing marketing. I came from Canada, did my college degree there, and used to work at Mattel and Disney. Um, started off in Disney princess dolls, then moved over to Mattel for Hot Wheels. Uh, shortly thereafter, they said an opportunity opened up and put me on Barbie for the next couple of years. Um, thought it was time to kind of go for a change and uh, decided to pursue my degree at SOM. Uh, and while at SOM, had the unbelievable opportunity to kind of take two years to figure out what I was hoping to do and uh, where I wanted to go. Um, I knew that I could comfortably fall back into marketing. That was my past and thought, there's always going to be a place for me there. Uh, but it was really a time for me to explore uh, new opportunities, uh, new frontiers. And uh, at the same time, one of my best friends was just going through um, working at a tech company. And he was kind of looking for a new job. Uh, and we half-heartedly said, maybe we should work together on a venture at some point. And uh, this was at the same time of the rise of Silicon Valley. So we're hearing about his friends doing cool things and uh, reading about it in TechCrunch and said, hey, why not Why not us? Um, and at first we started off uh, at Jen's uh, entrepreneurship practicum program. Uh, it was more of a program just to get us started in terms of figuring out how to go about building something that people might want. Uh, and what are the foundations that you need to uh, think about? Uh, and it was our first time both as entrepreneurs. Uh, and so we really didn't have much of a clue in what we're doing or how we're doing it. But Jen's program kind of took us through the baby steps of uh, this is how you identify a, your target. This is what you're looking for um, for customers. This is how you go about servicing them. Uh, and for us, because we're building a tech company, uh, Jen and Kyle's program also forced me, in particular, that knew nothing about coding, uh, deep into the realms of learning how to be um, technically uh, savvy. Well, maybe savvy is pushing it, but at least uh, somewhat competent. Uh, so the company that we ended up launching is called Byte, and Byte it does intelligent self-service kiosks specifically for the hospitality industry. Um, what that means, I don't know if anybody here has been to a McDonald's or a Panera recently where uh, guests can go into the store, order at a kiosk. We're doing the same thing, um, and we at Byte believe in using that kiosk experience but elevating the whole experience. So uh, ideally, we use that technology to enable managers to come out and greet you when it's your fifth visit or uh, to delight um, and educate guests so that they know what's more about what's in their food, um, but also take their time and reduce the pressure and 
uh, some people have fear of ordering and getting up to the counter. So we want to make sure that it's just an enjoyable experience uh, despite being in a more limited service uh, environment. Uh, so that's our genesis of uh, the company we have today. Uh, and we're fortunate to ha- work with some incredible, incredible customers and brands like By Chloe and Chick-fil-A, uh, Noodles & Co. and Togo's and Veggie Grill. Um, so all around the U.S. And uh, it's been a fun almost five years doing it. Can you talk a little bit about that early, early uh, prototype that you built uh, using your small amount of technical skills at the time that since I think have even more elevated or become a little bit more elevated than they were initially? Um, But just talk about how you thought of that first prototype, um, how you actually made your first sale, and how you balanced doing all of that as a student. Yeah, so the first prototype was... Uh, extremely simple. It was uh, what is uh, truly the minimum viable product. I wouldn't even call it a product. It's not a product. It was uh, the bare minimum of what can we uh, replicate in a very cheap and easy way. So what we were trying to do at the time was put digital menus on iPads. Um, And the first iteration of our product was just text on a screen. Nothing, Nothing fancy about that. Uh, so I learned how to draw boxes in Objective-C, like CG Rect, uh, and then fill in the coordinates uh, and just tinker by trial and error. Oops, I was too high. Oops, I was too low. Uh, and then eventually started adding and layering in images and borders. So it's really one element at a time that I learned what to get competent at. Um, and balancing, that was balancing my time versus uh, being a student. That was probably the trickiest part because when you're excited about something, you just want to work on it all the time. Um, and it, certainly uh, for me, I'm like, oh, I have free time on a Friday night. Guess what I'm going to do? Uh, most of my peers were probably out partying and I was <laughs> uh, sitting in a room with my co-founder sometimes or me other times with uh, learning how to code book uh, and just banging away. Uh, but it was extremely rewarding to see after that couple hours uh, or weekend more likely that, hey, I've got something new um, and I was doing something real and productive. I can go show that around. Uh, And that was our process. We didn't know exactly what we could do with it. We just know this might be something. Um, And eventually we had a whole morphing um, approach. But the first product, we shopped it around to local restaurants in the New Haven area. A few of them were extremely friendly to um, students and just wanted to give people an opportunity as well. Uh, So we put it in there. They told us what worked, what didn't. We'd go back the next week uh, and have a week to kind of in between to fix up all the issues and try again on like a random Monday or Tuesday when they were quieter. Uh, And eventually it got to a point where uh, these businesses were comfortable and leaving it in there for more prolonged periods of time without us necessarily being there to babysit the issue. Uh, And that was our first couple customers were just... Uh, almost building it in partnership with them to making sure it's something that they uh, would be proud to see in their business. Um, I think we often forget we're ultimately affecting uh, our customers' businesses as well. So it's not just necessarily all about us, uh, even as self-centered as we are sometimes. It it needed to work for our customers too. Uh, And by building it in partnership, I think they felt ownership of the product as well. 
So you came in, you're an MBA student, you've taken Kyle's Managing Software Development and Teams class, which gives you a little JavaScript on the front end and the back end, some HTML, some CSS. You take that, you build up your skills so you can actually develop for iOS. Talk a little bit about your co-founder, how you found your co-founder. I think this is a pretty common thing that MBA students uh, grapple with is perhaps a great idea, but not necessarily the technical chops to execute on it. What did you do to position yourself so that you could attract that talent? And how did you convince them that this was something they should work on? Yeah, I think I got extremely lucky having a great group of friends growing up um, who had that uh, different training. So Stas, my co-founder, he previously worked at Hulu, was one of the first engineers there, built it up, uh, left, and then ended up working with Sean Parker for a while. Um, and when I approached him to do something interesting, I think his first response was, oh, yeah, I could see that too. Uh, now, what what do we do? Or And also, you don't know a thing about coding. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I think most MBA students... You have to. You can't just ask someone to take a leap of faith. It's very extremely rare. Even though I knew him and he was going to do it anyways, it made him extremely more comfortable knowing that I was willing to try and attempt to do something. And in the early days, you don't have that much more than your very rough product. And so some folks might take a backseat and say, I want to work on strategy or marketing you don't have any of that yet. You got to start with what do you actually have or what are you building towards? So uh, with limited time and resources, and um, we made the decision, hey, let's focus on what we're good at and I can complement his skill set. So he worked on the tough, way more technical back-end stuff and I was doing all the front-end. That was just something I learned uh, in part of taking the classes um, and also with the practicum, but it just made it... uh, very much a team effort. And then when we brought in our uh, third co-founder just about a couple months down the road, uh, I think he immediately saw, wow, this is incredible. You've got um, a B-school, soon to be graduate. You've got uh, one of our both common good friends. Um, And we also found a group that was willing to do any part at any time uh, and jump into the difficult problems. Uh, So I think that's something we all forget is just how do you take get someone to walk with you? Well, why don't you walk with them first and jump jump into the difficult parts? So you have this idea, you have your first customer, you're iterating based upon feedback that they're giving you and essentially helping to build a custom product for them, which is something that you did then and I think less something that you're inclined to do now. Can you talk about the in-between? So some of the diversions that you took on the path and some of the choices that you that you made, and yes, I'm talking about that POS months of time, um, and and kind of how you've made some critical decisions over the past couple of years. Yeah, uh, diversions. We've had many, many, many. Uh, part of the startup challenge is to figure out what is a diversion, and very frequently we you don't know until you're looking back at it. Um, our first product was the digital menus, and then from there, our first couple customers said. Great. Wouldn't it be nice if you could uh, integrate with our point of sale system? We took a look at their point of sale system was too old, and they said, "Okay, well, we're happy to put in your point of sale system." At that point, we didn't have a point of sale system, but we thought it was easier than integrating with what they had. And when we shopped around that idea to a few other brands, where uh, a few other restaurants in the New Haven area, uh, they all 
kind of didn't like their existing point-of-sale system and said, sure, we'll put yours in too. Okay. Uh, so off we went down that road uh, a couple moons later. Uh, we came to the realization that it added a lot of uh, problems into things that we weren't, we didn't know how to solve or we weren't good at. Uh, we didn't know a thing about building point-of-sale systems. Not that we knew much about building digital menus at that point either, but it was just a different level of expertise. And um, while none of us had restaurant experience and I shadowed uh, the restaurant that we were in for a bit just to get some rudimentary understanding, that's fundamentally you're still lacking subject matter expertise. And the best way to beef up your knowledge is either find someone who can do it and hire them. We didn't have money for that. Um, or just probably better yet, don't do it if you don't know what you're doing. Uh, so we, after I think three months, cut that off uh, and took a look at what we had uh, built and what we were competent at. Um, and upon that reevaluation, we said, okay, we, we've got this digital menu platform. Uh, it looks like it can be used as a kiosk. Some people actually want to use it at that takeout counter. Um, and they many times people have asked if they can order from it. Well, that's an interesting part of that experience that we just overlooked. Um, and as soon as we took a look at that ordering experience, we said, oh, great, it's a lot simpler than worrying about all the other elements that POSs typically do. So let's just focus on that and figure out how to do that. And frankly, that one didn't require nearly as much restaurant expertise as building out an entire point-of-sale system. So how many point-of-sale systems out there are you integrated with today? Uh, that number changes. Uh, it grows almost every week or two weeks. Um, we've got a good team to help uh, do the integrations. I think right now we're at a dozen, maybe 15 of the top ones. We took a look at who had the biggest market share and then went down. Um, but more likely, we took a look at the ones that our customers asked for. Uh, part of our development uh, thesis is to don't develop until you have a customer against it. Uh, and then it's up to a sales and accounts job to ensure that they're willing to wait, let's say, six weeks or eight weeks for that development to happen. Um, and part of our onboarding process does take that amount of time anyway, so it's not an extensive wait. Uh, however, it allowed us to focus in terms of developing for something we had customers rather than just build for the sake of building. So you raised a small amount of money, and I think the majority of that has gone towards dev work. Our, mo most of it's gone uh, salaries, hiring. Uh, our sales cycles are long, so we've hired for those positions as well. So when you were trying to get those first early customers and then expand out of that small group in New Haven... Can you talk about the strategies that you employed to find those customers when you, you know, didn't necessarily have $25,000 to spend at a booth at a trade show? Yeah. Um, frankly, I don't think we knew what we were doing on the sales side. Um, our best effort back then was to knock on doors. Uh, wholly unscalable, but it allows you to build some reputation and that relationship element. So starting out in New Haven was kind of ideal because you're, a lot of the businesses, at least we were targeting, weren't being approached by on-the-ground salespeople every day, um, which allowed us to get in front of owners. Uh, and that also allowed us, when we knocked on the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, to eventually say, wait, these guys are keep coming back. Okay, I'm going to spend some time to take a look at what they want and either tell them no for good or maybe there's something interesting. Um, I think it would be very different starting out in New York when there are 
a million startups uh, going on at the same time, coupled with the established businesses knocking on doors. Uh, so just being in slightly off the beaten path allowed for just an easier start and uh, got you the feedback that you needed uh, from the market quicker uh, and more direct. So you started with the three of you, and you now have a team of... Fifteen. So can you talk about that process of going from three to 15 and how you've structured some of your HR processes and um, thought through the organizational structure? Jeff right now is giving a pained look, which leads me to believe that he may not <laughs> may not be at that point yet. <laughs> yeah, um, we're trying. We're trying here. Um, I think one of our best... Uh, hires as a as our three founders was to bring in experienced people. Um, we or Stoss rather had the mantra of A's hire A's and B's kind of hire uh, everyone else. Um, and we thought if we could surround ourselves with the best people, we have the best shot of succeeding. And being a startup, you're already against all the odds. So if you can just get some expertise in your in your corner, that matter, makes a world of difference. So uh, Brandon, who's now the CEO, uh, he was the fourth. Uh, team member number four, including three founders. So um, he came from a very distinguished background, knew how to run uh, tech companies, but also specifically restaurant tech companies. So he ran Resi for a couple years, and before that worked with Danny Meyer in hospitality. So um, we liked his background and complimented what we didn't have. And he also taught me and everybody else a a whole lot about sales and accounts and uh, complimented our skill set. Uh, and then we added shortly thereafter our finance director, but uh, James, and he also doubled as an HR uh, lead for us. Uh, and part of that was just helping him find new roles that got him excited, but also uh, splitting up the work so that it wasn't all squarely on usually my plate. Uh, and since then, we've uh, started with org charts, uh, the standard standard issues stuff, but also tried to split where people's strengths were and put them to that. Uh, and I think that's getting pretty crucial um, for as, as you start scaling to recognize where, what are people good at and try to move them there faster. Um, and then as ultimately as the utility players like myself, you kind of plug in the holes uh, because you know your products so well, you know your company so well. Uh, that means you. it gives you the ability to jump into something that it's either a little harder to train other folks to do um, or you just can't find that p- right person just yet. So let's talk a little bit about success and failure. I would say um, what is, we'll start with the, with the weakness first, what has been the hardest, uh, most difficult thing that you've had to do? Fundraising. Uh, I think there's a lot of noise in terms of raising VC dollars, everyone assumes it's extremely easy because uh, you read of only the successes. Um, and you also read of major successes or major failures, but getting more money thrown at it, like SoftBank bailing out WeWork or um, companies that just seem to have no business model getting tons and tons of money. Uh, I think a lot of people underestimate the uh, amount of effort, but also just mental toughness and physical toughness that you need to be on the road to get in front of VCs, do your pitch, uh, get grilled, and then come out of that like nothing's happened and do another one the next hour. Uh, and also do a number of them because uh, odds are I think you just need one out of uh, 50 investors that you will take uh, or get a meeting with will say yes, but you only need that one, so you're willing to put up with the other 49. 
Uh, and that one is ultimately, I think, the hardest challenge uh, for any first-time founder because you're given a lot of um, – you're greeted with a lot of suspicion on whether you are the uh, right team or person to lead that company. Uh, and that's something we're still facing every every time. Flip it back then to what has been your biggest win so far? What are you most proud of? Yeah, for me, I think it was getting our customers, um, specifically our enterprise customers. And uh, some of them I thought, hey, I don't know if we can get in front of these organizations and win their business. I'm competing against IBM and Panasonic and Toshiba and way better funded, way better equipped teams. Uh, and to ultimately say, get the call and say, hey, you guys are the ones that we'd like to pursue and grow with uh, every time. Um, that's still a compliment. Um, from our first first one account that we landed that way to the most recent one, uh, every one of it, it's always just an incredible, incredible feeling. Uh, hard to describe, uh, but it's one of those I think you you know it when when you know it. So we're coming to the end. Um, Since you've gone through this as an MBA student, what advice would you give to those students who are looking either to to apply to programs or who currently are in programs, whether here or other MBA programs, um, to help them get through the process of trying to launch something while they're a student? Yeah. One thing I didn't take advantage of enough uh, or came to the realization, unfortunately, after uh, graduating was everyone's willing to talk to students. Um, as soon as you just say you're a student, everybody opens up. You can ask any question. Nothing's out of reach or out of bounds. Uh, and yet the minute you graduate, uh, that line changes that you say you're no longer a student. Everyone greets you with a lot more suspicion. Um, I would use that opportunity while being a student to dissect the market, get as much knowledge as you can, uh, and don't be shy talking to uh, leaders in the space. Don't be shy going to the C-suite and asking them for advice uh, or just straight up asking folks about dissecting their business and understanding what are the levers and triggers. Everyone's willing to share, uh, and the second you miss that opportunity, um, that that's uh, a major loss. So final question that I ask everyone, um, <laughs> also wincing, occurring. Uh, what is the one book that you give out or have been giving out as a gift this year? Or would you recommend? It could also be a book that you would recommend to student founders. Yeah, t- two books. Uh, and a lot of people already recommend these two books. Predictable Revenue by Aaron Ross. Uh, that one changed the way we attacked sales. And I think that really kickstarted our entire organization's growth. Uh, we didn't know a thing before that. And then after reading it, I'm like, oh my God, I need to do it this way. Uh, the second book, never split the difference. I Honestly, I'm still stuck on chapter eight or nine because I keep, when I get there, I reread the first six, seven chapters again because they were so compelling. I just haven't been able to make it past eight or nine. Um, I learned a ton from that one from Chris Voss. Uh, would recommend those too. Uh, and for fun reads, um, I I just like having a little bit of good time and um, re- reading Strange Planet, the little comic book. So shout out there. Excellent. Well, Jeff, it was great to have you in class. Really great to have you back on campus. And we look forward to watching your continued success. Thank you so much. <laughs> 